Ladies and gentlemen, we finally made it to 50. It's episode 50 of the Quasar's podcast. Who would have thought we'd actually last this long when we started this podcast uh, last season? Well, I guess it was the season before last when we started. Um, here we are, 50 episodes in. How's it feel? I feel yeah, great. Yeah. This is a good time for episode 50, I feel like. What? Yeah, feels great. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, like, I don't... Oh, oh, I thought you were gonna say I feel like <laughs> something, and then you just stopped talking. I was, I was a little thrown off. All right, yeah, uh, great time to get into episode fifty. Coming off of, well, coming off of no games this weekend because of the uh, early international break. But prior to that, um, the final game of our um, season prior to the break was the away win at Burnley. Burnley two, Tottenham five. Uh, which was a scoreline that I don't think any of us could have predicted, especially with Sonny getting back in form and bagging a hat trick. We got a goal from Romero and Madison as well, um, both of whom are on two goals on the season. It was pretty much good vibes outside of the first, what, 12 minutes where things kind of looked a little shaky there. Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit about the Burnley game. I want to... Also, just talk a bit about the transfer window, which ended um, last before our that uh, the the window closed after our last episode, so we didn't really get a chance to go over that. And then obviously we can um, preview the upcoming home game uh, versus Sheffield. We haven't it feels like we haven't had a home game in a while. We I think we only had one all season, so uh, it'll be nice to finally get back in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and, and see how uh, things go there. So. A good place to start is obviously Sheffield. Uh, uh Sheffield, not Sheffield. Uh, Burnley, the other, <laughs> the other team, with no, <laughs> the other team with no points on the season. Um, they came out pretty, pretty strong. Kim, they were pressing early. It seemed to be frustrating the team. What were you? What What, what did you see in the, in that first ten to fifteen minutes? I don't know. I just it seemed like we let Burnley take the game to us for a little while. Um. Like we weren't on the front foot like we should have been, or it, it was more just I felt like we just turned the ball over. The press was messing us up. Like trying to figure out how to get around the press took a little time. But I feel like once they did, once they figured out how Burnley was playing them and how they could play around Burnley, uh, then you saw the game just open up. Yeah, I was trying to rewatch the game earlier today to kind of see like what happened. Um, I mean, one of the main things that happened is we scored. Uh, so that kind of changed the game a bit. Um, once we were able to kind of get on the score sheet, they were not pressing as aggressively as they as they had been in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game. Um, I think another thing that I noticed, though, is that they were really pressing us the most when we were starting from Vicario and then trying to play through the center backs. They were squeezing the middle of the pitch to kind of avoid the ball coming into Basuma. So it kind of turned into this thing where Vicario is playing to the center backs and then they're playing back to him. And there was no space in the middle to, to pass the ball into the midfield. And I was like, Oh, what, what, what happened later in the game? And <laughs> it was hard to really tell because it felt like we didn't have a ton of goal kicks for most of the game. Um, it felt like every time they got the ball, we were just winning it. Um, they didn't really get a lot of shots off 
at all throughout the game. I don't know what the stats are. I can probably pull them up, but it felt like they got most of the most of the goal kicks that we had were kind of early on, and then from there it was just us continuing to win the ball in the midfield. Uh, and then once we scored, it was just kind of like the floodgates opened up. We actually had 16 shots, um, two big chances, and one big chance missed. We had 21 shots. So a lot I of mean, those were blocked, though. That's true. That's true. Um, um, four on target, six off target, six okay. blocks. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what we did tactically. But it felt like they were just kind of controlling the game a little bit. And and hopefully, luckily, we were not uh, able to they were not able to score a second goal because I think that would have changed things a lot as well. In any event, it was a goal fest. We haven't had one a game like that in a while, Jesse. What what did you see uh, in that Burnley match that was was probably most different than what we have been watching up to that point? I mean, just so how open it was. And, and we've seen it a little bit before that, um, you know, the, but it was just really a, a joy to to watch. Uh, I was watching this one with uh, uh, a good friend that I don't get to see too often who's a big Spurs fan. Um, and uh, and it was just nice to see like, okay, you know, we went down 1-0. I was a lot less worried than I had been, you know, in previous years with, uh, with the current system and, uh, and players that we've got there. And then equalized pretty shortly thereafter. And then I felt like it was we were definitely the better side for most of the, um, you know, minute 15 to 45 or something, but didn't have as much to show for it. And it felt like, man, this could be one of those like where you rue a little bit, not not finishing one of those chances because it felt like we had um, we had a couple of decent uh, of, of decent looks there. Um, but then uh, that Romero banger to, to end it um, at the uh, right before half was uh, was pretty awesome and pretty funny at the time because it was just like. We're loving the Ange ball. We're talking about how, uh, you know, attacking and, and enterprising it is. And it's like through three and a half games, which is what, 10% of the season. But it was like our leading scorer was a center back, not known for goal scoring historically. But so that was kind of fun. But I think just like, and then once we went up to one, we came out in the second half, like, let's go get more. Let's keep, let's keep pushing. Not, not what we'd seen. And, you know, at some point in the pod this season, we'll stop talking about it, but, you know, it was still just a, a a fun surprise and a joyous surprise to watch. Now, like, okay, we're up to one. Let's just now park the bus or let's just try to soak up pressure and defend um, for 45 minutes until something bad happens. It was nice to be like, we're up to one. We want three. We're up three. One. Let's go get four. We're up four. Let's go get five. So just fun to still be able to see the confidence and, and, uh, and, and pushing forward and all that kind of stuff. So um, not that Sonny had been bad to this point, but, you know, hadn't made a, a, a goal scoring, you know, final pass, uh, you know, to get an assist or, uh, or, or a goal. So nice to see him um, dial up the hat trick. And now it feels like, you know, uh, the, the uh, international break came at the worst possible time because it felt like we were, we're, we're, we're starting to hum and starting to click. And um, so, yeah, it was just great, great to, great to see, um, all that attack and, and that the, you know, the forwards besides Madison start to, um, or the attacking players start to get, you know, into it like, uh, like Sonny did some more. So yeah, generally just one of the more fun matches that, that we've seen in, in quite some time. And, and Joel, like you kicked it off of, of one of the higher scoring affairs. I can't remember the last time we had, you know, a seven goal special, um, or even close to that. Um, it feels like it's been, been quite a while. Cause even like, I mean, like, 
I don't know. I'm not looking at the at the game log, but the previous season was what four two South uh, over Southampton. Four um, one, yeah. So yeah, so not quite as much, but it it feels like it's been a while since we've had had that much um, offense. Yeah, I feel like the last well, time it's had... been that that Everton five four, and that seems like it was a while ago. At this point, yeah. Are we are we not counting uh, the game against Newcastle because they scored a lot of goals that game? Oh yeah, they scored both, a lot of goals. Both parties, so, you know, both parties scored. Know, that's a, a decent amount, I guess. that's just like I, you know, that's out my memory. I what just, was that? You know, Six one. That's <laughs> a seven dang, goal game terrible. right there. That was terrible. But I I think the thing I enjoyed the most about the game is that we just saw like a bunch of different kinds of goals being scored. Like the first goal, I mean, Sonny with that chip over the keeper amazing balls on like we're creating something or we had a corner and the ball bobbles around and you saw four or five different people try to get to that ball to try to put it in the goal so it's not just okay we have a corner it doesn't work out we're still trying to score off those every chance we get we're still trying to score um so it just ended up falling to Romero he he you know he had that banger um the the third goal is Udogi actually like gets a presses well gets the ball and straight to Madison banger that like, was one of those ooh doggy. yeah just it, but it was just how quickly <laughs> like they turned the ball over in the attacking half the first thing he did was get the like he saw Madison in space he got the ball to him boom very quick goal and then the fourth goal i think that might be my favorite one just because of how it all happened and it felt like um like I I watched that goal a couple of times. So um Van de Ven he gets past the striker, like he runs past the striker and he gets to the ball. He was tackled. He saw the ball was loose, got up again. Mm-hmm. And then got the ball to Udogi, who then got it to Solomon, who then like got the cross to Sonny. But that defensive work, like running forward to try to get past your striker, n- not worrying about him running in behind you going the other way because it turns over like just continuing to fight like that's the kind of like stuff that we just didn't see from our defenders in the past we just you know well, we, it, we it's a have, level of like intensity that that i feel <laughs> well that's true but i feel and like there's he, just a level the, of he intensity he has the speed to be able to recover whereas the ghost pass somebody yeah yeah like so, that would have been a bad play for some of the center backs that we've had over the years <laughs> because they 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 don't get that ball and then you know you've got a one on one going the other way. Um, he true. can he can kind of afford to do that. I think the other thing about that third goal is the fact that, like you said, it came as a result of us pressing the goalie who made a bad pass, which was then out in the wing. It's a one on one. Yudoki wins it. He plays it in, and because of the press, the defense is out of sorts which then allows Madison the space to be able to put the ball in, in the back of the net without a defender blocking his shot. So it, it just feels it feels very much like everything that we heard about the way Ange plays um over the summer just kind of like come like playing out in in real time and like coming to fruition all of the the things that people said about the way that he likes to play in terms of like winning the ball back quickly, pressing high all those things. Um, th- obviously, there's a lot of positives from the game. 
last episode we talked a little bit about whether or not we should start being concerned about Richie. Um, he was dropped, and I think it's going to be a real concern for him moving forward because his replacement comes in and scores a hat trick. And not only that, but I think he was benched in place of Manor Solomon, who started on the left wing, and he had a really good game. So that's it's not just the fact that Sun's scoring goals, but I think the fact that Manor looked really comfortable on that left side and was actually uh, got two assists out of the five goals, was creating a lot of pressure for the Burnley defense. Those are the things that Ange always talks about what he wants to see from his front three. And so I think it's going to be even more difficult for him to get back into the side. Um, if we're seeing that the front three looks better when he's not there. Um, and then, you know, this, this past weekend, there was a similar situation with Brazil where they scored a bucket load of goals. I think that they won the game for one. Everybody in the front four scored except for him. He was actually subbed off early. There was photos floating around on social media, him in tears on the sideline, even though his his team's up three goals. And so it really does feel like he's, I don't know if something personal is going on on his end, so I don't want to speculate too much, but it does feel like he's very much in his head and um, almost like it's getting in the way of him being able to perform well because he's trying too hard. I mean, sports is confidence is big in all sports. Right. And and I think that like especially, you know, in that case, like in soccer of all the positions, like when you're the striker, your job is to score goals. Like I'm sure, you know, that there can be some encouraging things for for Richardson, like, oh, key passes or dragging, you know, pulling away a man who, you know, from somebody else. But he wants to score goals and he's not done that, um, you know, much since he's been here and and. Um, that's tough. And it's kind of like one of those cool things where it's like when you're not scoring goals as a striker, that often leads to, to not scoring goals more often versus when you, you know, get to score goals, your confidence is back up and you're able to, um, to, to get back into it. So yeah, it's a, he's in a tough, tough, tough spot. Um, and that's the thing is just like what kind of sucks about losing, out on the only competition he's scored in so far this year, the the League Cup, is that that's a handful of less matches now for him to get back in and build his confidence up so he can get back, you know, into the goal-scoring ways in the league. I think the other part that's tough for him is the fact that, you know, you're, you're on a side that's looking like they're going to be relegated pretty much every year the past three years. It's looked like they were on the on the verge. You sign with Tottenham, and it's like, all right, well, I'm playing behind the best striker in England, so maybe I'll get some minutes, maybe I won't. I'm going to have to try really hard every time I get minutes. You have a coach who's super rigid. After all that, and after seeing very little consistent playing time last year, the coach that wasn't playing you is gone. The guy that's playing in front of you, who's the superstar striker, is gone. And so it really looked like everything was opening up for him to be able to perform well. And I think that's adding to the pressure is the fact that like the excuses from last season don't exist anymore. You can't blame Conte for not playing. Yeah. You. you can't blame Harry for taking your minutes. Now 
and and the system is kind of designed for you to be able to score a lot of goals and you just look bad. Yeah, your first touch is a mess. Um, he's trying too hard to beat men, which was never really a strength of his game in the first place. Um, I don't know. It, it does feel like any goals that we get from him are probably going to be in the air, and, and that's not – I mean, Harry scored, like, what, 20, 20 goals from his head last year? I mean, that's an exaggeration. But, like, that's that's not a realistic expectation, and – you got to be able to play with the ball at your feet. I feel like it's just, I don't know what's going on with him. I, he never, he never seemed to be this sloppy in possession um, when he was at Everton and certainly not with Brazil either. So in any yeah, event, I'll, I'll yeah, just make ahead. one note. Sonny was helped by the fact that Burnley plays a high line. Like that's the kind of game that's like ripe for Sonny to just get in behind, like cause problems. So I, I mean, I would agree Richarlison is struggling, but I don't think that Ange just throws him out into the cold and doesn't play him at all. So I wouldn't be surprised no, if he's he not throws Burnley. him out, but like when? Like when are you gonna decide like as as good as it looked with with as good as Manor Solomon's looked in limited work and as good as Sonny's been like no, he's not gonna do it every single time. But we don't have a ton of a need for rotation at this point. We're not gonna have a huge need for rotation really at any point. Um because we're going to be playing one game a week for a long time. You know, instead of, I don't know when, when the first FA Cup game is, but... I don't think it's till um, January. Like, that's... Like, I don't think... I'm with you, Kimmy. I don't think he's going to be completely doghoused, but there's... You're like... He's had limited opportunities still. I mean, it's still generally early. Like I said, we're 10% through the season. But in even less, you know, opportunities, not that it's a like-for-like -like replacement, but like... Sonny being up top kind of there more like you said it did definitely Burnley's situation or, or, or uh, setup helped him but like do you bench Sonny do you bench Manish Solomon he just looked really good like you know Kulisevsky has played every minute so maybe he gets a rest some point soon and you and you rotate in um, Richarlison so like again they're not going to never play him again but his journey to fight to get minutes is it's going to be harder when there's less games and all the people that he's competing for a spot with, um, you know, are, are playing contributing and looking better right now. That's true. Yeah. But I he's never going to be able to contribute if we never give him the opportunity to contribute. So this is why we're not, uh, you know, professional football managers. I think the one thing still in his favor is the fact that we did not sign another striker uh, in the window. So this is probably a good time to to go over exactly what work we did in the window, starting with the outgoings. We sold some guy named Harry to uh, some team in Germany. Got a lot of money for him. <laughs> also sold Harry Winks to Leicester. Dav Sanchez got sold after our window uh, to Galatasaray in Turkey. Loaned out Jed Spence and Joe Roden to Leeds. Lucas Mora's contract expired. He went away. We loaned out Tangy to Galatasaray, so now he's got a buddy there. Um, and then we also loaned out Jaffa Tanganga and Sergio Regulon. So uh, what's that? Eight, if nine if you count Mora outgoing. Looking at the players that we brought in, Manor Solomon was a free transfer from Shakhtar. We bought Ashley Phillips and Aleo Veliz, which is probably one for the future. We got our starting goalie from Empoli, 
Guglielmo Vicario, as well as Mickey Vandeven from Wolfsburg, made Kulisevsky and Pedro Poro permanent, and also signed James Madison and Brennan Johnson right at the end of the window. I think the first part place to start is when we were going into this window, we talked about the need for center backs. We did get one absolutely stellar center back. Van de Ven has looked like a stud thus far. Um, we didn't really get the second one that we wanted. Ashley Phillips was signed from Blackburn, but he's young. It seemed like one that we kind of wanted for the future. Um, but with us not bringing in another one this window, um, I do wonder if that opens things up a bit for him. Jesse, what do you think needs to happen from the center back position? Obviously, like you said, we're not going to have as many games uh, for the foreseeable future. So knock on wood that Van de Ven and Romero stay healthy. Um, but knowing Romero's penchant for lunging at the ball, you figure it's only a matter of time before he either pulls something or ends up <laughs> with a red. So uh, is it enough to just rely on this Phillips kid? Do you think Dyer should should get rotated back in? Like, what what is the option here outside? And we just sold Sanchez, so he's gone. Jaffet's gone. We don't really have a lot of center backs. What do you think? What should we be doing in there for the rest of the win, of uh, the the next three months? I mean, that's there's not a whole lot of options. It's like you know, we're looking at a refrigerator. We're like, man, we got our two favorite meals in here. Those are really good, but at some point. We might get sick of pasta and steak. So it's like, but there's not a whole lot else. It's now we're down to the, you know, to the Nilla wafers and the, uh, and the Doritos that are kind of crunched up at the bottom. And then there's like a mystery meat in this Phillips kid that we don't know what it is. Um, you know what I so, like to do, especially when I'm, when I got the chips and the salsa, you know, you can't get a good dip once the chips crunched up a little bit too much. Yeah, so talk to me. What I'll, what I'll, what I'll typically do is just take the bag. And just like dump it in whatever salsa's left. That's a, a nice that's little, a good move. Nice little salsa chip mix, and then just eat it with a spoon. It's, it's <laughs> it works. I uh, I used to take the crunched up chips, and we'll get back to football soon. I used to take the crunched up chips, put them at the bottom of a plate, take a sprinkled cheese or a slice of cheese, put it on top, uh, put it in the microwave for like fifteen seconds, just so it's enough. It would stick all the the chips mm. together with the cheese. Then I'd eat that with a fork. So, um, same energy. But uh, yeah, I think I mean we don't have a lot of options. We don't have a lot of choices right now. We're just gonna have to figure it out. I'd say I don't know what the number of games that we have until um, until uh, the uh, next until window? the next window opens Not up. Not a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just gonna be friendly games, right? That's the I guess that's the good thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just kind of you know a few a month. It looks like only three in October, three in November, um, December, as it always is, is a little bit uh, more hectic. But you've got um, you've got seven in December. So quick math, that's thirteen plus the next couple we've got in September. So you've got some, but that's not a lot of time at over you know over three and a half months. <clears throat> well, let me ask me, you this: if if the situation presents itself where we need somebody to come on due to injury or something else, would you play Phillips or are you going back on the on the Eric Dyer train? Because it seems uh, like those are the only two center backs on our bench. Yeah, I think that you're right there. Um, too bad. Um, my dream of 
for years long dream of Cameron Carter Vickers as a spur never uh, never came to fruition because he'd be great. But uh, yeah, I think that I, I think you just gotta hope that and it's 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 not uh, it's not gonna happen as we as we come back and I mean maybe Sheffield but they they're not terrible. Um, but then it's Arsenal, uh, Liverpool. So I don't know. You hope that you hope that against Luton Town uh, on October seventh, there is more of a Burnley type match, and you're up, um, you know, three one or or three zero at some point, and then you you can afford to to send somebody out there, um, maybe Phillips to see how he's doing. I guess you know. Then again, like you mentioned, Tanganga. Tanganga made his debut against Liverpool and and was terrific. Um, so not that, you know, you can't start someone young and less experienced a game in a game against a, a major opponent, but, um, I guess the, the upside of, of Van de Ven and Romero being new partners is it's not as if you're having to break up, you know, peak Jan and Toby where they know each other, know everything they're doing so well. Like, you know, while Van de Ven and Romero are clearly the best two center backs, you know, slotting Phillips into one of those spots at some point, even if it's risky, you're not, you know, you're not breaking up something that, you know, is that the, the two guys that have a terrific relationship. So yeah, I'd much rather see Phillips and see what he's made of than, than we know what Dyer's made of. And it's not, you know, not, not great. Um, not great, Bob. Not great. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I feel like if this is supposed to be a project season, this is supposed to be a refresh restart Reset. All of those three things. The team's going younger. A lot of the old guard are gone from Hugo to Harry and everyone in between. The only really longtime Spurs that are still a, a part of our rotation are Sonny and Ben Davis, who is another person who could potentially play center back, but I don't particularly want him doing that either. I think the only way that you can actually... And this is kind of what Ange was saying when he was criticized for that heavy rotation in the Carabao Cup game. It's like, hey, I'm trying to see what these guys are made of. I'm not going to get a lot of opportunities. I mean, I don't know how much I bought that excuse at that time, but I think the overall idea is the right one, which is like, I need to figure out what these guys can do. They're not going to be able to prove themselves if they don't ever get a shot. And to your point, like, I don't know what benefit there is for the future of our team to keep playing. Like that feels like a reversion to go back to Dyer, regardless of whether he can do the job or not. It's like, we kind of already know what he has to offer. And so it'd be better to try something else. If he's a total flop, at least he's learning from it. And at least we know what we have and we'll have something that we can maybe try to attack in the January window. Um, which actually brings me to a, a Listener question that we got that I'm going to shoot over to you, Kim. We got a question from Yanni Marte at Yanni Mars on Twitter. And he asked us if we were to target a center back in the January window, who should it be? See, the thing is, is we have two senior center backs. And so we need backup. I'm trying to figure out which one would I think is more like you need backup for both of them at this point. So, um, I mean, well, I think we, the names well, we that... wanted two center backs from the beginning of the window, and we, when we knew we had Romero, so That's I don't true. think that changes things too much. I think the point that you are making, though, is that like, but we also still had Davinson, and I think that was like, right. a, yeah, you had the right backup 
you so now need you need two up. really instead it kind of kinda, yeah. yeah so um well who knows really... phillips might be really good that's I mean, true I'm, that's not, why I'm I... not banking on that but i only one way never, to find out i've never seen him play like i don't know but i mean i was I know still i would <laughs> what it is i feel like we're not gonna go get another 50 million dollar center back i don't think that's gonna be the case um like maybe we go back in for the guy from Fulham. At, I, just like Rabio, be, I think his name is. Yeah, Tosin. I just think it might be someone affordable. Like who I would want? Yes, I would love for them to go get a high class center back. But as someone who's gonna know they're gonna probably play backup, or I mean, I guess they would fight for their place. It could be between the three of them. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like we probably get a backup option. <laughs> to be honest especially in the january window yeah i just don't feel like they're gonna spend like 70 million dollars on a senate wreck but at the same time i feel like the january window not solving problems is always a little bit overblown because like and not that this is always the case but um i feel like with benton and kuliseski and deli alley and like we've had some you know some success with that and i think because almost the january window is like it also has less competition so you might not have as many um you know as many other suitors because people may have like all right we're not gonna like to that point we're not gonna do this in the in the middle of it uh i feel like uh what do you call it van dyke was a january signing for liverpool so like you could solve center back that to your point, was $75 million or $80 million. So that's not going to happen. But uh, we don't need a Virgil van Dyke. We need someone that can rotate in with uh, with those guys. So um, or back them up. So could happen, but I don't know. I don't have any idea who it, who it would be. I feel like a center back is going to have to be, to you guys' point, a backup. I don't, I don't know if I have any names in mind, but you think somebody who could probably slot in right away is someone who's already – been in England, um, somebody that at least has some experience uh, playing there. Um, so whether that's a guy that's played in England in the past, whether that's someone from one of the lower Premier League clubs or maybe even a championship player, um, but someone that understands the game and can kind of just come in and play 30 minutes if we need him. If somebody gets a yellow card accumulation, they can start a few matches without it being worrisome. Um, and then like someone that's willing to or able to potentially surprise us in the event that they are able to overtake one of our star center backs. I don't really think that that's likely. Um, but I, yeah, like I said, I, I don't have a name, but I think that's the general profile that I would go for in in January. I do think we should go for someone in January from the center back position, even if just so that we have some cover, especially with Davinson leaving the other big last minute move that we made other than selling dev was, was getting Brennan Johnson. in. so I'm also curious to hear what you guys think about his signing. I know we had discussed him when he, his name was being floated around and Kim, I know you said you weren't very high on him, but uh, now that he is Spurs, what are your thoughts on how he might be able to, to fit into the team? Uh, he's a very direct player. So um, he'll, He'll run in behind like Sonny, so um, he'll do that from the wing, not from the striker position, like Sonny did it against Burnley. Um, he is 
more likely to use his pace than to use his dribbling ability. Um, so you'll see him, you know, knock the ball ahead and and like you know run after, run after it, it yeah. that kind of thing. So, I mean, he's still very young. So the hope is that he can develop and you know gain some more technical more skills. Um, but I feel like that's the the area of his game that I feel like might be lacking is some of his technical ability. I'm not saying he's not a good player. Um, he showed in a team that didn't create a didn't create that many chances that I think he scored eight goals um, last year. So I feel like there's a place for him in this team. And the, the thing that I do like about, you know, after seeing Solomon, um, you know, seeing what Sonny did, seeing how Kulisevsky has fit in in his role, you just see a place. I see a place for Johnson because there's going to be different kinds of games where we need different kinds of players. And I think it's mm-hmm. just nice to have just the variety of different kind of attacking players. Like we, if you look at them, they're all kind of different. They all, none of them really do the same thing. They can all play in the same positions, but they all do it a little differently. So yeah. I feel like it gives us more of an arsenal, uh, you know, not that. Bleep word, that but... out. Bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> gives us more options. Options. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. I think that's that's exactly what I had in mind when you were talking about him being a little bit more of a direct player. Um, just having that ability to be able to run at guys. Obviously, that's where Sonny thrives. But you think, especially with us not signing a, a, another striker, he's probably going to see some more time at the center forward position. And so um, imagine having a high line where you where you got two guys running in from behind and and Madison kind of playing point guard in the middle of the pitch like that's exciting and I think you know I don't I don't have strong opinions on Brennan myself but Ange seemed to really want him and so like it's it's hashtag trust in Ange at this point like he obviously knows what he wants to do uh, he's been doing it for a while, and if he thinks that this is a player that's going to fit that system, then I'm I'm certainly willing to see how it looks. Uh, this is also a system in which players are being asked to continuously crash the box, and so uh, a straight, direct player uh, should be able to fit into that. That's what he wants to do anyway. So should be interesting. Uh, I think the only other question, I mean, we just talked about the whole center back thing. Uh, the other question is obviously center forward. And I'll direct this one to you, Jesse. Like, do you think we still need to go after a central striker in January? Um, and if so, who would you want us to go after? Yeah, I don't know. Um I think, and and this is not to say at all that Spurs are going to be as effective as City, but like that was kind of the the joke about City for years, right? Like, well, they don't have a main, a main target man, a main striker up front. And it's like, well, they're scoring a hundred goals every year. So I think they're figuring something out, you know, like then um, not that that, you know, uh, not that, that, that guys don't have already the onus to create and those kind of things, but, you know, I think when at times previously when we've seen Harry out for injury or something, um, you know, you've seen stuff like that where it's like where where Sonny steps up, Lucas steps up, Lorente, whoever else in previous times when he was missing games kind of on the reg, 
like there's more other everyone else feels a little bit more or at least it seems like everyone else feels a little more like responsible for scoring goals so you don't you know soccer is the the unique sport um you know basketball similar right but like watching american football all day like you can't play without a quarterback you just literally can't do it you can play without a striker without a traditional striker there's so many different formations and ways to set up so so i don't know who who would be on the on the short list for me but i don't think at the moment with only 10% of the season behind us, like I don't think it's a center back much more of a priority than center forward. Like be nice to, to add somebody. Um, but uh, you know, I don't think that um, there's not like a, Oh, we've got to, we've got to go out and, and get somebody for sure because we've been, you know, I think with the, the, the system can, can exist uh, without it. One guy who I always just really love that is way too old to to come now and, and not good enough. But um, I always liked Troy Deeney. Um, I always wish that like that Spurs <laughs> would be linked to him. I just I just love the way he played. I love his attitude, um, and I really enjoyed player, for sure him. So yeah, but uh, uh, no, I think yes. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I don't have a have a target list. Short answer is I don't think we have to sign a center forward in January. Um, I, and here's the the stupid optimist in me of like, man, if Richie figures it out, guess what? We just did. We already said we signed one. We've except he's you know he's now he's already here. He's already comfortable in London. I have slowly but surely, I should say quickly but surely, <laughs> begun <laughs> losing faith in R- Richarlison. As far as Sonny is concerned, I think that's a nice option, but I don't think it's a long term one. And so, I think he can't be our central striker moving forward he can for right now but he's he he should still be in january i'd like to see us go after um i'd like to see us go after go after ivan tony i would like that yeah that would be nice um i think he would fit into the system really well um he's also just a goal scorer he could probably fit into any system he's he's not he's not gonna be cheap um but i think if you buy him you're also pretty much saying like this is the guy that we want in this position for the foreseeable future. And we're also probably admitting that Richarlison's not going to be the guy. I mean, he's 27. He's not young, um, but obviously has, you know, scored a bunch of goals um, in the Premier League. Uh, 20 last year, 12 the year before that. Um, 31 to help them get bumped up from the, no, from the was, championship. He was killing in the championship. And yeah. Being able to keep that form. So, that's where I'd go, but we'll we'll see how it plays out. Uh, this is the Koizaros Podcast, episode 50. Like I said earlier, we can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Koizaros Podcast. Last thing we wanted to do is get some predictions for Sheffield. I know Jesse's got a run, so I'm going to actually start with him. As I said, this is our first game at home since beating Manchester United 2-0. So we'll be back in North London on September the 16th. Jesse, what do you got? I'm going to go 3-1 in that one. I think like Sheffield, I feel like uh, I don't remember the every every scoreline result, but it feels like it's uh, they they often get uh, get some some goals uh, against us. Um, And I've lost. I think we lost them in a cup maybe last year. But um, yeah, I feel feel super encouraged. Championship team. Yeah, I feel super encouraged by the um, uh, by the attack. Uh, and uh, yeah, three, three, one. I think, which was which was my prediction for um, for the Burnley match as well. Sheffield gained their first point of the season with a two-two draw 
against Everton in their last match. Uh, so they've got one point in four matches. Um, they're not scoring a ton. Uh, they've scored four goals, given up seven. I I think we're going to keep the party going. I think the real test is going to come after Sheffield when we have to play Liverpool and Arsenal for the to close out September. But this game, I think, is going to be a little bit of a continuance of the party that we are on right now. And I'm going to go Tottenham 3, Sheffield 0. Okay, so okay, I am big also... optimist, Joel. Yeah, yeah you know, if if there's a if there's a chance to be opti- yeah, if there's a chance to be optimistic, it's now. It's I'm I'm not going to be this optimistic when we do the Liverpool predictions. I'll tell you that right now. So, yeah, um, I won't be as optimistic on the scoreline because I do feel like Sheffield. I don't think they've given up three goals this season. So we'd be the first and they played city already and they only gave up two goals, but that was when they were at home. So uh, I'm going to go two nil. Cause I still feel like we, there could be moments where we have trouble getting through teams and this might be one of them. So yeah, I'll go two nil. All right. We got two nil, three nil and three one. If you're listening and following us on social, drop us your predictions. Let's see who gets the closest. Uh, if if you've if you've been a longtime follower, you know that we keep a running tally amongst uh, the hosts of the show. So we, we'll see by the time we get to the next break, who's who's leading. I think I have like a one point lead right now, but uh, I have to see if we updated for the Burnley match. But in any event, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully we win big again. Yep. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.